0: Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To the show Back again Another week The time has finally come people Football is officially back And we got plenty To talk about Plenty of football to talk about. How's everybody feeling? How's everybody doing? It's that time of year. Look, you can tell. As hot as all get up during the day, as soon as that sun goes down, ooh, that cool breeze comes back across the northeast. You start feeling good. You you, you think to yourself, "I I might need a sweatshirt. I might need a hoodie. You start feeling good. You start realizing, you know what? Summer's almost over, the fall is almost back, you start seeing preseason football, turn on any TV, it's football chatter going on, it's that time people, and I'm happy, I'm excited, it's been a long summer, I'm gonna be honest, it's been a long hot summer, I'm excited for football to come back, I'm excited to get into these conversations, this is where I'm at my best. What up, Cyber Family? If this is your first time joining us, welcome. This is Sometimes I'll Be Right. I'm your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! Like I said, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. So, uh, last week I told you I was going to come in here and I was going to give you guys um, a rundown of And and give you some important dates. So the NFL season kicks off on Thursday, September 7th. Okay? We will be doing an episode. Obviously, an episode will be coming out that day. It'll be a full, full NFL season breakdown. I will be giving you guys my picks For each division, I will be giving you win-loss records. I will be giving you my picks for Super Bowl matchup and who I think will win the Super Bowl. That's right. September 7th, that episode is one you want to catch. I'm going to give you the division winner for every division, AFC, NFC, everything. I'm going to give you some key records, some teams that everyone might be excited about. If I think differently, I'll let you know that. I'll let you know, obviously, what I think the Cowboys are going to do this year. What I think the Giants are going to do, what I think the Commanders are going to do, what, the, what those Eagles are going to do. I'll let you know that. I'm also going to be releasing the second annual Cyber Quarterback Rankings. That's right. I will be releasing that that week, September. Maybe not. That. Hold on, let me look at the calendar. <laughs> I was supposed to have it figured out, but I didn't. So, here's how we're going to do this. On Monday the 4th, Tuesday the 5th, and Wednesday the 6th of September, I will be releasing the rankings. I'm going to do 10 each day until you get the full list. So remember, the fourth, which is Labor Day, holiday, special episode, the first part of the cyber quarterback rankings will be released on Tuesday the 5th, the second part, and on Tuesday the 6th, the top 10 will be released. Now again, I'm not going to get too in-depth in here now, but look, non-biased. It's as biased as much, I have my favorites. Look, if you, if you were here last year, you know, I have my favorites. But when it came to the list, hey man, I'm not in control of the list. The criteria is the criterion whether I like a guy or not, I'm judging him based on the criteria. So there were a lot of guys who were higher than I thought they should be or that I would have put them based on personal preference. But based on the tape, the tape makes the list. So it's non-biased. So I look forward to that. So the first week of September, the 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th, there will be a show. So again, the fourth, fifth, and sixth will be the three days for the cyber rankings cyber quarterback rankings, and on the seventh you will have your normal uh cyber episode, but it will be a special nFL breakdown so it's gonna be nFL heavy exclusively probably that episode unless something else major happens. So now that we got the uh that out the way, I'm excited about that the uh the film study begins. And get to start those rankings. But I wanted to start with this. Because we're going to talk about a lot of football. Preseason week one is officially over. We're about to start week two. As you're listening to this on Thursday. Um, there's a game tonight. Games tomorrow. This week is week two. but So it's going to be a lot of football. But before we do that. Um, something happened just yesterday. Where, where James Harden was in, on some tour in China. Doing some press stuff. And a video released of him saying, Darryl Morey, the GM for the Sixers, is a liar. And he will never play for an organization as long as he's there. Now, this isn't a surprise to anybody because he's been saying all summer that he's he wants to trade. Here's what I'm going to say. I say all the time. I say this all the time and I said this in the beginning. Trade him. Bye. 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 Like, again, did the Sixers, did I miss something? Did the Sixers make, like, some unbelievably deep run in the playoffs that they couldn't have accomplished without Harden? No, right? Okay. Did the Sixers win a championship with Harden? No, right? Okay. Bye. If I'm not going to win with you and I'm not going to win without you, what difference does it make? And at this point, if you're going to be so disrespectful, look, it may be true. I have no problem with it if it's true. I have no problem with him feeling that way. I have a problem with him coming out and saying it if the rumors are true that he wants to go to L.A. So now it's like, hey, I want you to do me a favor and trade me to a place I want to go to. But I'm going to go bash you in public. And I'm going to go tarnish your reputation in public. But do me this favor, though. Like, what world do we live in? James Harden has been overpaid for years James Harden is a fun player he's a good player he's not a difference maker never has been he is not the missing piece to a championship roster never has been at this point if I'm Daryl Morey I'm trading him to whoever wants him for whatever if he doesn't have a no trade clause, and my bad for not doing the research or finding out if he does. If he does not have a no trade clause, I am finding the worst place I can send him. And I'm sending him there for a second round pick in 2045. <laughs> I don't even want anything back. I don't need anything for the next 20 years. I'm just sending him there. Give me some draft pick way down the road. Doesn't even have to be a first rounder. Don't care. Send him out there. Bye. See you later. I'm not sending you where you want to go. I would trade them for pennies at this point. You, don't, you can't do that. If you want the person to work with you and send you where you want to go, you can't do that. And if it's a play, if somebody's going to dare message me and say, oh, but, you know, they, they said they weren't going to trade him. They weren't getting the package they wanted. So he's trying to force his way out. Like, bro, you don't have a leg to stand on. We saw game seven. You don't have a leg to stand on. I'm just saying, man. These players are getting crazy. I never thought I would be pro-owner or pro-GM. But with each of these stories, I just feel like the players are kind of starting to be unrealistic, man. Man. I don't think that you can sign. I don't think I can offer you a contract. You sign the contract to play for my franchise. Decide, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. I want to trade. Fine. Got no problem with that. But you can't demand a trade and demand where you go. Like, my job is to make this team better, correct? That's why we signed you. We think you're a better. we're a better team with you on it, correct? Okay, so I'm giving you props, I'm giving you credit, and I'm compensating you for it, right? I'm treating you well. If you decide you want to go, my job is now to say, all right, he doesn't want to be here. That hurts the team. I got to move him. But my job is to improve the team. For you to sit there and say, I will only play for that team, it eliminates all leverage I may have. It eliminates all negotiating power. It means that I can't get anything that I want. I have to accept whatever they give me or else. See, as a player, that's good for you. But my job as the GM, I have a family to feed. I have a reputation to uphold. See, as a player, when you get your contract, you're getting paid. If I trade you to any team, they have to pay you what's on the contract. If I trade you somewhere that you want to go and get a terrible thing in return, have a bad season, the owner's firing me. I now lost my job because I was trying to be loyal to you. Are you going to give me some money? Are you going to vouch for me and get me a position somewhere else? No, right? You're just going to go on about your life and be happy. So the GM has to look out for himself too. The owner has to look out for his best interests as well. It can't always be about the player. And if the player is going to yell at the ownership for being selfish and only thinking about themselves, the answer cannot be to do the same thing you're mad at. Because then you're mad at them for doing it, but you think it's okay for you to do it. Two wrongs don't make a right. We learn that early in life, don't we? I didn't, ex- I didn't expect to get this upset. <laughs> I'm getting annoyed as I'm sitting here talking about it. Let's move on now to football. I got that out of my system. If you can't tell, I'm not really a big fan of James Harden. I never really have been. I know a lot of people hated Melo, and kind of thought Mellow was just kind of like a selfish player. I always felt like that was Harden. Harden was always happy when he was putting up whatever numbers he wanted doing whatever he wanted to do. But whenever some criticism came, man, he seemed like he wasn't really about the team. You know what I mean? No, no, no. That's just the impression I get. Maybe he's a great guy. He might be. No knock on him personally. All business. All sports. So preseason week one happened. And again, uh, man everyone's excited, right? Going into preseason, we are so excited just to see football. And I got to tell you, I'm excited too. I get so excited for the first preseason. I mean, look, the week of, knowing that there's a game on Thursday, I'm like, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. Football, 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 football. I turn on the game, and within two plays, I am immediately reminded of what the preseason is, and I'm immediately like, "Ah, I'm not interested. (laughs) Is it just me? Is everyone else like that too? Oh, man, it's bad. Because what you realize very quickly is you're not watching high-level football. I shouldn't say that. I take that back. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. It is football at a high level, but the level that we want to watch is the best of the best. And what you're seeing is not necessarily the best of the best. It's a lot of guys. It's a lot of backups. Like the biggest stars are not playing. It's a lot of backup guys. Guys who might not get much time during the year. Guys who you will not be like... You know, like secondary players, like guys that'll come in and, and, and fill a role for a play or two for somebody else. And then you got a lot of third string, fourth string guys, guys that won't even make the roster, guys that are practice squad players, guys that are filler. And you kind of get like, the, but what's amazed me is that every year the the national media and myself, we do the same thing where we get super excited about it. And then because football's back, and now we have something to talk about, and everyone loves football, everyone's excited to talk about football, we make everything way more important than it is. Like, what did we learn from such and such's first game? Like, absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. We didn't learn a thing about anybody. And that brings me to the rookie quarterback watch. When it comes to watching rookie quarterbacks in the preseason, my rule of thumb is, number one, don't get too high or too low. It doesn't matter if he's great or if he's terrible. Really does not matter. Because it is widely recognized that people, the coaches aren't really game planning for the preseason. Like a defense is not game planning. They're kind of just running random plays or sets or whatever. It's not really like, we're not spending the week to install a game plan. We're not doing that. And then on offense, it really is probably, hey, what plays are you most comfortable with? Let's We'll run those. We'll run those and you'll get some live reps. And it's just about getting reps at the NFL level in an NFL stadium with these players and kind of getting a feel for things, right? But again, even in the regular season for a rookie, the first eight games are going to be different than the second eight. So my second rule of thumb, so first rule of thumb is don't get too high or too low. And secondly... It's not about what you do. It's about how do you look? I will judge a rookie quarterback based on how he looks. Does he look like he's comfortable? Does he look like he's hurried? Does he look frantic? Does he look nervous? Does he look scared? Does he look like the, th- yeah, he might not have completed that pass, but did his mechanics look like he stepped in, he threw it with, there, he just missed it? Is he a little off with timing? Like How does it look? Try to gauge how it looks, not necessarily the result, because the result really doesn't matter. Because if you have a great preseason week one, it doesn't mean that you're going to be a Hall of Famer. You might have just had a good day. You might have just had a great matchup. You know what I mean? Like a play might have just worked perfectly. Like that—that stuff doesn't matter. But if you look poised and you look like you look the part, that brings me much more confidence. So, with that being said, there was five quarterbacks who I feel like I had an eye on. That were rookies, the five big rookies. It's C.J. Stroud, it's Bryce Young, it's Clayton Toon, it's Anthony Richardson, and it's Will Levis. Those are the five guys that I feel like I'm paying attention to because I had strong opinions on all of them. So you all know C.J. Stroud was my number one coming out, hands down, by far. I didn't think it was close. Bryce Young was the national favorite. He's the one that went one. He's the guy that everyone else believed was clearly the best. Clayton Toon, for me, in my opinion, was the third-best quarterback and was very close to being every bit as good as Bryce Young. And had he gone to an SEC school as opposed to Houston, I think he would have gotten more attention. And I think he is one of the most underrated picks in the draft this year because he went to Arizona, who Kyler Murray's dealing with an injury, may or may not return. Like, Clayton Toon can step in there. And if he plays well, spoiler alert, when he plays well— I think Kyler Murray is out of there. It's over for him. Anthony Richardson is a guy that I felt like has all the talent in the world but is never going to be what you want him to be or what you hope he will be. He will always be a guy who has an immense amount of talent but never puts it all together. And Will Levis was a guy who I felt like was good but, like again, very similar. Has all the talent in the world, but just is not going to put it together because he will always fall back on, I have the talent. So when it breaks down, instead of relying on mechanics and trusting your eyes, he's just going to rely on his physical gifts to try to bail him out. And in the NFL, everybody has physical gifts. So these are the five guys that I feel like I had a strong opinion on. I want to watch them. So let's. I want to go over each one. I want to talk about their debut and what I got from it. Not again, not what they did, but how they looked. C.J. Stroud. I'm going to be completely honest, and to prove to you all that I am not biased of all of these quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud to me looked rattled. Now he was playing without a couple of um, offensive linemen, a couple of starters. So it was a bunch of backups in there, guys who are you hope don't play during the regular season. And he looked hurried, he looked rushed, he did not look relaxed or calm. Um, There was a few times where he did get some protection and he delivered some good passes. Uh, But they got him out of there quick. He threw four passes. He was two for four and they pulled him quick. Because I think they saw they are getting through there anytime they want to. And he's going to get beat up and it ain't really worth it. Bro, you got some game reps. We don't have the proper protection for you. We are not going to get you killed out there. Smart move, but what I saw in the short time was he just looked hurried. He did not look relaxed. Now, the polar opposite of that was Bryce Young. Bryce Young looked completely comfortable, completely unaffected by the moment, completely unfazed by any pressure that was coming in there. Any he rush, he did not care. Calm as can be. Now, I don't dislike Bryce Young. I don't think he's a good player. I think he's impressive. I just think C.J. Stroud is better. And I think had C.J. Stroud gone to Alabama and Bryce Young went to Ohio State, I think everyone would be in love with C.J. Stroud. I think it's the SEC bias at play, and I think that's why people favored Bryce Young but he looked home. So those two guys, CJ Stroud, looked like that, you know, like he looked, you know what he looked like? He looked like a guy who was not used to having that much pressure that fast and didn't quite know how to react. And so everything was sped up so quickly. Now, that doesn't concern me because it was your first time out there and like I said, they had a lot of backups on the offensive line. So you're not out there with your top guys protecting you, so obviously That's not what it's going to look like every week. So that's the only reason why I'm not like freaking out or thinking, oh boy, this is going to end bad. Because I understand that it's not going to be like that every week. But it was something to note. And Bryce Young is going to look like that every week. But that doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't matter. Anthony Richardson looked exactly Like what I thought he is a guy who is supremely talented but has does not know how to play. Like, he looked like he was making passes without having a strong bit. He had no mechanics, mechanics all over the place. He he had no, he displayed no touch on his passes. Everything was a fastball. He he was he was just basically saying, Look at what I can do, zipping everything like, dude. He's not playing quarterback. He, he has no, he, he looked, I shouldn't say he has no, cause he's young. He's going to learn. I'm sure he's going to get better. But what, it, again, what it looked like was exactly what it looked like in college. I am supremely talented and that talent is going to win more times than not. And what he found out was, again, everyone in the NFL is supremely talented. You no longer have like these wide open windows. It's going to be more difficult. That's just what he looked like to me. Will Levis looked similar. He looks he's an arm thrower. Every throw he tries to make perfect. He tries to make everything look pretty. He tries to make everything exact and precise. And he's just throwing with his arm. He's got like again, it just clean it up. He just looked like a guy, again, who was super talented. Just like he did in college. Again, I'm not going to fault him too much or give him too much of a hard time because it, it, you'll learn. He's a young guy. He'll learn. He'll get better. But he just looked like an arm thrower, a guy who trusts his talent so much and is trying to be perfect, trying to prove that he's great. It's like, dude, just relax and play ball. The The quarterback who I feel like won the weekend and, in my opinion, looked the best was Clayton Toon. Now, he got by far the most work of any of these quarterbacks, but he looked he was unfazed by any pressure. Anytime a rusher got in there, did not change his mechanics one bit. He stood in there, delivered. Threw some really good passes, had some bad ones. Some ones that you could see was just timing things, a little behind a receiver, a little overthrow. But again, young, learning, getting used to these guys, those things are going to happen. But he looked like a quarterback. Honestly, he looked like Carson Palmer. That's what it looked like to me when he was in the pocket his stance, his poise, his delivery, everything. he Clayton tune. I'm telling you right now, Clayton Toon is going to be a really good quarterback in the NFL. like I I'm telling you I, I know I'm the one who said Joey Harrington was going to be great too. I, I've been wrong before, but I just don't know how you watch Clayton Toon and don't think, yeah, that's a quarterback. I, for me, his floor is Kirk Cousins. That's the floor. Like, if you want to say, hey, at worst, you're getting Kirk Cousins and Clayton Toon. And I think Arizona would take Kirk Cousins. And I think most teams would take Kirk Cousins. If that was going to be your quarterback going forward. I think they would take that. I think you give me that for five, 10 to 15 years, I'll take it. Most cor- Most teams will do that. I think that's the floor. I think the ceiling. I don't think he's ever going to be like a Mahomes or Burrow type, but I'm trying to think of a guy. Uh Brady? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, um I'm trying to think I, I think he's good at ah, I'm the name that keeps coming to my head is Matt Stafford, but I don't mean like Matt Stafford in terms of that's how good he's going to be. I would a, a guy like that, a guy who is capable of winning a Super Bowl, but you may not pick them to win a Super Bowl every year. Like, you know, like Joe Burrow's always going to be in that conversation. Clayton Toon may not be in that conversation every year, but he's capable of winning a Super Bowl. That's what I think he's going to end up being. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins might be the floor and the ceiling, but that's pretty damn good. That's pretty good, man. For a guy you drafted in like the third round, a guy you're never going to have to pay that much money to, that crazy amount of money to, even if you paid him as a franchise quarterback, he ain't going to have to get 50. You could pay him less than Daniel Jones. I know, this is two weeks in a row I feel like taking shots at Daniel Jones. That's my bad. Football season is coming around. The rivalries are starting to come up. The hate is starting to come up. The anger from me as a Cowboys fan to the rest of the NFC East is starting to come out. That's what the hate is all about. Plus, I'm just, I'm just having fun. But Clayton Toon, to me, looked poised. He looked confident. He looked like the most mature one. And he is the oldest. He's 24. He's played a lot of college football. He looks like it. He looks ready, polished, ready to go. And I think he may end up having the best season of all of them. He looked the best this weekend. I will say that. I want to move on to another thing um, that caught my eye and my ears is that Jets fans and 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 are getting are very excited about the way Zach Wilson is playing now. And he's having a good preseason. In the first two weeks, he's looked good. And I say, if I'm the Jets, I am looking to trade him now. That's right. Zach Wilson is right now. Can you guys hear that? Do you hear that? Do you hear that noise? That is a fly. Buzzing and running into my studio light. (laughs) And it's annoying. It's annoying me. I don't know if you guys can hear it. If you can't hear it, my bad for even bringing it up. Don't try to hear it. If you don't hear it yet, don't try to hear it. It might just be me, but whatever. So anyway, Zach Wilson is playing with zero pressure right now he has nothing to lose right he has nothing to lose you can't you already benched him Aaron Rodgers is going in he knows he potentially is playing for another team and he's playing free he's playing free the expectations are low see I feel like so much of how you feel about a player is going to stem from your expectations what do you expect from the player Do you expect him to be really good? Well, then you might be disappointed. Do you expect him to be really bad? Then you might be impressed. But either way, that player himself does not have to change the way he plays. For example, best example is Jared Goff. If you expected when Jared Goff got traded to the Lions, if you expected Jared Goff to be terrible, to be trash, to be awful, then you would say, wow, Jared Goff got better. No, he didn't. He played exactly the same. You were just expecting him to be terrible, and he's not terrible. If you were expecting him to go there and become the best quarterback in the NFL, then you were disappointed and say, oh, Jared Goff's not very good. I thought he was better than that. That's just expectations. Zach Wilson, when he was the starter, when you drafted him, you expected him to be the franchise. You expected him to be this superstar. You expected him to lead you to the playoffs and championships, and he didn't. Now, you're expecting, oh, Zach Wilson's terrible. He's one of the worst quarterbacks ever. Get him out of town. Bench him. Boot him. We don't care. And now he's playing the same that Zach Wilson has always played, and you're now like, wow, he's really good. Man, when Aaron Rodgers goes, we got something. Look, don't make the same mistake that the Packers did twice holding on for too long the Packers should have moved off Aaron Rodgers a long time ago because and I'll talk about it you had Jordan Love you don't know what he is now and now you don't have Rodgers and you're hoping that Jordan Love can be good because if he's not oh boy what direction do you go in? you gotta hope you're bad enough to get a first round pick or you're gonna mortgage your future to try to trade up in the draft to get one of those top picks to get a top guy But if you're the Jets, you have Aaron Rodgers for the next two years at least, book it. By that time, Zach Wilson is going to be coming into his fourth or fifth year, which means he's going to be up for a contract. Best case scenario, he goes out there, he has an awesome season. Now you have to pay him top dollar for producing one good season. That's where you're at. And then what if he goes out there and does the same thing that Zach Wilson did before and he's just okay? Now you paid this guy all that money and you're stuck, crippled as a franchise. Or trade Zach Wilson right now after the preseason when he has high value to a team, maybe a team like Tampa Bay who could really use a young quarterback to set them up for the future because you got Baker, but come on, nobody thinks Baker is the answer long term. So we'll take Zach Wilson. He could sit behind Baker, or we could have him come in and see if he could work his way into a starting spot, and that's our guy going forward. And we'll take the time to go through the growing pains because if he's as bad as they say he is, then we're going to pick really high in the draft. And if he's as good as we think he is, well, now we got our guy for the future. If you're the Jets, to think that you're going to bench Zach Wilson for the next two years and then he's going to come in in two years and be the guy for the next 10, like that's a pipe dream. That's not happening. I'm willing to bet you right now that's not happening. Zach Wilson, when all the pressure of New York is back on his shoulders, he's going to perform the same way Zach Wilson always has. Because Zach Wilson is solid, but he's never going to be the quarterback you hoped he would be. It's not who he is. So I want to move on to uh, to Jordan Love. And going into it, Jordan Love was is the quarterback of the Packers. He's their guy now. And there's a lot of questions on how good is Jordan Love. And everywhere I turn, the the general consensus I get is everyone thinks Jordan Love is no good. That he's not going to be any good. He's not the answer. Nope, can't do it. After preseason week one, I heard the commentators saying things like, oh, they're babying him, they're not opening up the playbook, it's all safe, da-da-da-da-da, he's not the answer. I'm going to tell you this right now. If you think Jordan Love is no good, you're wrong. If you think Jordan Love is going to go into this season and put up a dud, you're wrong. If you think Jordan Love is not going to be good enough to compete for a division title in the NFC North, you're wrong. I went back and I watched all of his throws, from preseason games to regular season games. I watched him play. The kid can play quarterback. He's not great. He's not great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not excited thinking he's about to light up the league. I don't think that. But Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah. Yeah. Daniel Jones? Yeah. Yeah. Do I think he could be, do I think he could be as good as Let me try. Do I think he could be good as Geno Smith? Yeah. Yeah. Can he be as good as Mac Jones? Like, yes, every bit as good, if not better. I don't understand why people look, oh, I get it. See, you all have to readjust your expectations. Aaron Rodgers is not the standard for quarterback. That's not the standard. Yeah, the standard for quarterback is not, he doesn't have to be as good as Aaron Rodgers was. And let me remind you. Aaron Rodgers won one Super Bowl in 16 years with Green Bay. That means Jordan Love has 16 years to try to get a Super Bowl, and then he will have as many as Aaron Rodgers. So let's not make it seem like Aaron Rodgers was getting the Super Bowls and winning Super Bowls one time. So he doesn't have to be as good as Aaron Rodgers. But to think that he can't he's not gonna be able to compete with Jared Goff or with Kirk Cousins, like you're crazy. I love Justin Fields. I love Kirk Cousins. I love Jared Goff. I think that might be the best straight quarterback division in the NFC. I think if you're talking about each team has a good quarterback, I think all four of them have a good quarterback. I think all four of them have their guy going forward. And I think Jordan Love can compete in that division, for sure. For sure. No doubt about it. Like, he's completing 60% of his passes in, in the little time that he's played. Right? So I did the math. If you look at the amount of yards he's got and the few amount of games that he's played and based on the attempts or based on how many, like, so he's, how many games he's played you extrapolate that over a full season. There was like a whole formula I used, but he's if he does if he continues to play the way he had played, he would throw for five thousand yards in a season if he played a whole season. He would throw around twenty six touchdowns. Now his touchdowns and interceptions are both three and three. Not a lot. There's not a large sample size. But what you see again is in that case I have to look at it and judge it for what it looks like. He looks like he knows what he's doing. He looks like he's smart enough to check it down if it's not there. He looks like he's capable and willing to throw it downfield. He looks like he can move a little bit and get out of some trouble. Use his legs to pick up a first down here or there. He looks like a guy who wants to play. He has the look. There's no reason why he can't be productive and can't be successful. And I think if you're writing him off right now, you're wrong. Just like Geno Smith last year where you all wrote him off and now everyone thinks he's a good player, you're going to be singing the same tune about Jordan Love come next offseason. You're going to be talking about how well he played. Another guy you need to be talking about, which oddly enough, I came in here last week and I said, if you're excited about Anthony Richardson, then you have to be excited about Justin Fields because they're essentially the same guy with the same questions, but yet no one seemed to be excited about Justin Fields. Well, came in in the preseason and they had some big chunk plays from their weapons. I think what people need to realize... And before you say it, I'm going to tell you now. Justin Fields goes out there and has a big, tremendous year. I'm not going to come in and rave about how great Justin Fields is. I'm going to come in and tell you Justin Fields is who I thought he was. And this is what it looks like when you give him good weapons. See, Justin Fields, everyone always says like, oh, Ohio State quarterbacks always do well at Ohio State. And then they go to the pros and they can't play. It's not that they can't play. At Ohio State, you're so loaded with talent, and when you get to the NFL, you're probably going to get drafted by a bad franchise, which is why they're in a position to draft you, and they don't have that level of talent around you. Now you're being asked to carry things, and that's hard for a young guy who's always had success to all of a sudden realize, I'm going to fail a lot, but it's okay, especially in the pressure cooker of the NFL. When you give them weapons, you get to see them perform at their absolute best. Put, I don't care what anyone tells me, put Patrick Mahomes on the Texans. Right now, you're not picking them as a Super Bowl favorite. You need talent around you. You need good coaching around you. It's more than just can you play. Everybody wants to say how great Tom Brady is. Tom Brady had weapons everywhere he went, and he had great coaching staffs. And the Patriots may not have had the best receiver in the league, but gosh darn it, Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, those guys were good, and they had good receiving running backs coming out the backfield. They had good tight ends because Gronk was great, and Aaron Hernandez, who was a complete lunatic, was a really good football player. So don't make it seem like he didn't have weapons when they were at their best. And again, when you gave him the best receiver he's ever had, he set records. And when he went to Tampa Bay, don't make it seem like Tampa Bay was no good because everyone was excited about him going to Tampa because they were plug and play. They had everything in place for you to win. Weapons all over the place. Everyone raved about the roster. It makes the most sense. That's where he should go. It makes the most sense. They're a quarterback away. Yeah, duh. So when you get a really good quarterback and you put him with really good talent, you get to see him at his best. Justin Fields this year, this is going to be his best season. He's going to have a really good season. He is the real deal. He is what I thought he was. And for all of you people who say Ohio State has never delivered a franchise quarterback, you are about to watch two emerge in front of your very eyes in the same season. And speaking of franchise quarterbacks, I want to transition now. I want to talk about Johnny Manziel because they put out the uh, the Netflix documentary series Untold where they go over different sports stories and, and give you different angles and insight. And Johnny Manziel had an episode on there where they detailed his rise and fall. And I got to say, man, um, I don't walk away from it liking Johnny Manziel. But man, I that was a wild boy. That was a wild boy. And, and one thing he said in it that, that I loved. And I love when people are able to be honest and open and put their ego to the side and just be real. And he said, it doesn't matter what anyone would have done at that point who I was, I was never going to be a good NFL quarterback. And man, I appreciated that because I think, look, again, I think here's what happened with Johnny Menzel. I don't think, I don't think Johnny Menzel was ever that good of a quarterback. He was never good enough as a quarterback to play in the NFL and excel in the NFL, but he played in the sec. He had some really great games. And you just thought he was a gamer. But anytime, if you look at quarterbacks and why they get drafted and how they get drafted and who's getting drafted, he did not fit the mold of an NFL quarterback. We know that. We know that. And so that's number one. And number two, he also had so much other stuff going on. And was concerned with so much other stuff. And self-destructive and had his own issues that you already didn't really have it to be that guy and then now you put on top of it you also don't have the mentality to even work as hard to even just be that grinder that you were in college but man, what an insightful doc what a great look into what it's like to just reach those heights like man dude was killing it and said he never opened the playbook like, bro, they him plays in the hut. Like, how do you even know what the play is? <laughs> like, he was out there signing autographs, making money. And I think that's BS, bro, that you would get in trouble for that. I think I'm a person. I play football. If somebody wants to give me $20 to sign my name, bro, I should be able to. And I, obviously, now you can. So it doesn't matter. I mean, it's a mute point now. But he, the idea that at any point you were going to try to restrict a person from taking money from someone who wants to give it to you for like that's crazy. I guess again, I guess it's always been crazy, but I always thought like no, they shouldn't get paid, but not by not like that. You should get paid for that. Like I, that's stupid. This, I'm not gonna get on that tangent because it doesn't matter anymore. You could do it now. So Johnny Manziel will not be getting in trouble now. <laughs> but I just thought it was a I thought it was a great doc. I thought it was awesome. I thought his self awareness. In certain points was like, wow, he's like, that's a that's a real humbling statement is to say, like, yeah, I was never going to be good for whatever reason. Like that's that's impressive that that guy who was on that high is able to acknowledge that and say that like that says a lot. That says a lot. The last thing I want to talk about before I get out of here is uh is Zeke. Ezekiel Elliott has signed a one-year deal with the Patriots. And there's a lot of, like, people questioning this move. And a lot of people saying it's a bad move. And another example of Belichick not knowing what he's doing and blah, 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 and questioning him. And my, my response is, why? Why not? Bro, like, look, again, Zeke is... The opinions on Zeke, I feel like, have a lot to do with the idea of what are your expectations. If you're expecting Zeke to be a 13, 1,400-yard rusher, then, yeah, you're going to be disappointed. But if you're just looking at Zeke to be like, yo, you're my number two backup. You know, you're my number two guy. Can you come in and... uh and, and, and spell my league guy for some, for some time. Like Zeke had like a good. He didn't have a bad year. Right. So let me, let me pull this up. Let me pull up his stats from last year. He had 231 carries. 876 yards and 12 touchdowns. That's a 3.8 yards a carry average. Like yo that's not like. That's not the worst. Like he didn't have. A bad season. Like for the price that he was getting paid last year. Yes. You can't. You can't pay him that. Right. Like. (laughs) You can't pay him that. But. I mean. Let's look at this. So I mean in terms of like yards per carry. Like yeah. He's way down there. But like. Yeah, I mean it's tough, dude. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. <laughs> Look, let me just say this. Let me just say this. He had he was 22 in yards. Right? 22 in yards. In terms of touchdowns, he was up there. He was up there. He was number five in touchdowns. Like, yes, a lot of them came. But even look, like, even when you look at, like, yards per game, like, he right there. I mean, he like, if you're telling me, if you're going to make a big stink, if you're going to make a big stink about signing a backup running back, is he good enough to be a backup for a year? 100%. 100%. Yeah. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Yeah. You can run him on a screen here and there. Yeah. He can get you some short yardage things. Yeah, you're on the goal line. You want to punch it in. Like, yeah, he's good at that. Like, that's what he's here to do now. Alter your expectations. Bill Belichick's not crazy. Bill Bel- Listen, Bill Belichick is a great coach. And I'm going to tell you why he's a great coach. Because when the great coach has a great roster, you get great results. Right? And that's what happened. You've got Super Bowls more than anybody else ever has. Great coach, great roster, boom, Super Bowls. Now when you give a great coach a bad roster and they perform better than you expect them to, we know the roster is bad. He's getting them to perform higher than they should be performing. That's great coaching. I think right now, any success the Patriots have is from coaching and game planning, not from elite talent, from the players. We can all acknowledge it. We all will say, man, the receivers are bad. Man, they got bad this. They're bad at that. They're bad at that. Okay, so when they go out there and compete in these games and keep these games close, or they go out there and win some games and look like, Yo, this team shouldn't even be close in any of these games. That's coaching. Too many times we want to associate wins and losses with how good of a coach somebody is. Look, Andy Reid got fired. We think he's a great coach, right? He got fired before. You guys are all excited about the Jaguars. Doug Peterson got fired, right? Like, but you guys still think he's really good. Josh McDaniel still gets benefited a doubt for being a good coach. And he got fired. Like, don't make it seem like only a great coach or a really good coach is going to win or lose and that's it. Like, no, coaching is getting players to to perform higher than what they're possibly capable of doing. And that's what Bill Belichick has been doing since Tom Brady left New England. And so I think this signing for him, this is my backup. This is my number two guy. I'm probably not even going to give him 200 carries this year. I'm cool with that. And not to mention, he just got dumped by his former team. He's probably more motivated than ever. He's going to have a lighter workload, be fresher more often. I think it's a solid move. Why not? Again, you're not at, you're not bringing him in to be the lead dog. You're not bringing him in to carry your franchise. You're bringing him in as a piece. I'm not mad at the move. I'm surprised that there is as much criticism as there is for it, seeing as like it's not, you know, Kind of a whole big nothing burger. I don't know. That's my time, y'all. Look, I appreciate y'all coming back this week. This this was fun. This was fun episode, man. Football heavy. Next week we'll, we'll be back. We'll be talking about week two. We will again review. The rookie quarterbacks, the five quarterbacks that I'm keen in on. We'll review what they do in week two, see if anybody looks any different, or see if they're just going to continue the trends. And if this is what we should be expecting from them, I'm sure something else is going to come up in the meantime before we speak again. And trust me, I will be there to cover it so again September 7th will be um, that episode will be the official NFL preview where I will be giving you my picks for each division winner from my Super Bowl picks and who I think is ultimately going to win the Super Bowl and I will also that very same week on the 4th 5th and 6th be releasing in three separate parts the second annual cyber quarterback rankings that is all that week until next week i will see you guys take care have fun watch the games oh follow me on all social media at cyber underscore pod that's s-i-b-r underscore p-o-d check out the youtube channel at cyber network that's s-i-b-r network for some exclusive content Follow me on there. Listen, we're trying to build the Cyber Family up to be the greatest sports community in the world. I will catch you guys next week.